the hunters are dying off. Oh, you can still see them if you know where to look, behind the smiles and the mask and the foster grants. Born to the concrete jungles the way their primitive ancestors belonged to the forest, they seek the same things. Food, shelter, comfort. As in any hunter-gatherer society, there are those who have worked out a system of barter. You have something I want, I have something you want. There are all kinds of hunters. Some hunt for sport. Some hunt to survive. Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters, Art and Story by Mike Grell. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast, Urban Hunter, is the one, the only. Unlike other Robin Hoods, I actually speak with an English accent. Travis Ratz here. Very good. Travis Ratz on the ones and twos while we come to you with our podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into the Comic Exposure Podcast. This is a place where during these troubled times, you can come and nuzzle into our comic book bosom and enjoy the old books we bring you. Mm. Travis and I have gone on a journey lately. This podcast has been something that's that's transformed as of late because we don't read a lot of new books. Travis and I decided that we were going to do something for us, that yeah. we wanted to fill in some gaps. We wanted to go back and read some stuff we hadn't read. And on this show, we like to dig into trades and graphic novels. And right now, in a time where there are no new comic books coming out, in digital or in print, it's the time for you to go back. Back where it all began. And it's time for you to find where we came from. And look at the past. To everything, turn, turn. There is a season. Yeah, there's a season. And there's a season now, to read, there's a season to write, there's a season to pod, there's a season to cast. Turn, turn, yeah. turn, baby. Turn, turn, turn. Yeah. And we know you have a choice of comic podcasts, and we yeah, thank yeah. you for flying the Comic Exposure podcast. We do. We, we thank you for flying the Comic Exposure Airlines, where uh, we, instead of giving you a barf bag in the seat back in front of you... More like a scarf nuzzle- bag. Yeah. Scarfing we, down we nuzzle- comic books. Yeah, we nuzzle up a little comic book. I think that's the second time I've used the word nuzzle in in this episode. Yeah, but we we I'm we worried shove, what you're doing to your comic books. We I'm shove worried. a delightful comic book <laughs> into that seat back pocket so you can pull it out in case of an emergency and read it and enjoy it with us because that's where we're at right now, baby. There's no new comic books. We want you to go back and find something and rediscover it with us. Get exposed wow. to those old I'm comics. I'm mesmerized. You really pulled that out of your ass. Dude, like you really turned that around, and that whole, like, in case of emergency comic book in yeah. the seat pocket, chef's kiss. <laughs> Dude, this, look, in times of trouble. <laughs> okay, no. No, you are too. You peaked. You peaked. <laughs> I feel like you're about to start singing Bridge Over Troubled Water. I am. Bridge Over Troubled Water. So Travis and I wanted to fill in some gaps. And so we thought, you know, we did Sarah on the last full length, the last uh, comic book club episode, which was a newer book. Um, And I think, you know, uh, TKO might be the only publishing company that you can get books from right now because they don't go through Diamond. Uh, They will ship them to you. Um, Maybe you can read a first, second book, some super indie novel that that came out from there. Uh, But Travis and I wanted to go back like we've been this last year and diving into stuff. And it's been really strange. Travis, we found ourselves diving into DC comics and not really Marvel comics. And you and I, well, we did it. We did it. We did a lot of talk about X Men, the new X Men run. Right, uh, right. And so I think I think that we had spotlighted Marvel quite a bit. And so now we're what we're doing is filling in gaps, baby. 
And I think what you and I have is we have DC gaps because yeah. we grew up in a Marvel dominated world in the nineties, yeah. right? Marvel and image were dominating forces. Uh, whether it was the amount of Spider-Man Punisher and Wolverine and X-Men I consumed in the nineties. Um, but I didn't read, I think Batman was the only thing I really read in the nineties and like Superman dies, but I didn't read justice league. I didn't read a whole lot of other stuff. So I wanted to go back and, you know, you and I talked about going back and finding we stuff. Wanna, we want to fit a set of comic braces over our teeth to fill in those yeah. gaps, to fill yeah. in those DC gaps. Right. And so you we have, went a, you have a DC overbite, which is looking, I do. It's looking better though. Now I feel like right? you've been putting a lot it, like a more, you are in your headset have, at night. I've been putting on the headgear. Uh, I've been remembering to wear my retainer. So it, it's going to be good. But let me see that smile. Give me, give me one. Oh, bling, 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 bling. <laughs> Uh, so Travis and I, I, I told Travis, I'm like, you know what? Let's, let's pick some characters that we don't, we really don't have any knowledge of, right? Like yeah. Green Lantern is the most tertiary of comic book character or Green Arrow is the most tertiary of comic Next book characters. Animal Man. In a, in, in, in a, in like the Justice League world, right? Like Animal Man would have been someone I would say like, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. I know who Green Arrow is because yeah. he was in the background of Funeral for a Friend and I could yeah. point him out, right? But I didn't, I've never really read a Green Arrow book. I did like the TV show that just wrapped up. I thought that was exciting. It was good. It took a character that I thought was really interesting, which ends up being DC's Batman, really, for all intents and purposes. Like, and like or like the television Batman is what it ends up being, right? Okay, because yeah. you couldn't get Batman on television because Batman is for movies, and so that that comic <clears throat> that that TV show really allowed you know, him to kind of be Batman, yeah, the billionaire, millionaire, vigilante, playboy. Yeah. yeah vigilante. vigilante. Um, yeah. So I wanted to find a interesting green arrow story for yeah, this was your but call. This, you're like, let's yeah. do green arrow. And I said, you, I go, you pick the, the run. So right. What, and so, yeah. and so I wanted to find something that um, I really, I went online. I said, what are the, you know, what are the top green arrow runs? What are some good stories? I didn't want to read anything too modern. I didn't want to do a new 52 take. I think Jeff Lemire wrote that. I love Jeff Lemire, but we've talked about him a lot, right? Like I wanted to go back and see like, what's a, what's a good story. And there were some runs where it was green arrow and green lantern together. Um, but what I settled on was uh, DC comics um, a look when we pick up and we move Green Arrow to the city of Seattle and we kind of reboot this character and rebrand him a little bit and give him a little harder edge in the 80s. And so Mike Grell uh, through one draws, man's vision, yeah. Well, yeah, draws and, and, and writes this comic book, <clears throat> which gives a sort of very urban setting, uh, drugs and gang violence and like crime and very street level our green arrow in a way that after reading this i go oh that's where the tv show got that mm -hmm. right like it really does cement a lot of that in just this first three issue oversized like sort of issues that came it's out they call it prestige when you look it up it's yeah. those prestige edition yeah. Yeah. Those, those prestige books. And then that would eventually kind of lead what Green Arrow was going to be for a long time as Mike Grell and then other artists took it over in the 80s. Writers took it over in the 80s and kept this sort of theme. So we read Longbow Hunters, like I said, which throws Green Arrow in the city of Seattle. He's packed up. He's moved. Uh, I read the little essay at the beginning uh, mm -hmm. where it's getting inter interviewed by this, right? Not my and favorite essay in the beginning of pieces, but it was, it was, a, it no, was an interesting it was informative. Insight. Yeah. Um, and I really like the idea of like they wanted to put Oliver Queen through a midlife crisis. Right. And then take him from being the trick arrow guy, the trick arrow guy with like the the boxing yeah. glove on the end of the arrow and stop him from being a joke and really lead him to be this like let him be this crime fighting vigilante yeah. in the modern world. Right. Uh, and so we read Longbow Hunters. So Travis here's what I want to ask the stars out. What's your, what's your green lantern or your green arrow? I keep going to say green lantern a thousand yeah, times. Yeah. So. I know we will. It's okay. What's, what's your green arrow knowledge before so, reading green arrow knowledge? Uh, I watched like maybe the first, I know for sure the first two seasons, maybe the three seasons of the show. And I liked it. And then it kind of got a little wonky for me. Um, before that I had read Kevin Smith's uh, run quiver. 
uh, which takes place, which erases the Longbow Hunters. Uh, it's basically uh, Kevin, that Kevin Smith run, I believe. It, that's when Green Lantern resurrects Green Arrow. And uh, Oliver Quinn remembers everything up to Longbow Hunters. So he has okay. all the scars that he got after Longbow Hunters are gone. And so it's like, it, it, it kind of erases that, unfortunately, I think maybe based on how much I liked where we were going with this book, that aspect of it. So that's the only individual run of Green Arrow that I've read. And then he's popped up, you know, and of course in the Justice League uh, of it. But what I'm really interested in going into this is maybe you, maybe you have, maybe you share this with me. I think a lot of guys of our generation maybe share this love. I love archers in fiction. I love, I mean, if you run through them, Robin Hood, Hawkeye, yeah. Legolas, Legolas. Legolas, uh, yeah. What is it about archers, like the, a character who's an archer that that I feel like young boys especially, maybe even, think, might even be more specific, young boys who were, grew up in the 80s and 90s love? Well, we did have the Kevin Costner flick, Robin Hood, which cemented the glory of being able to shoot an arrow through an arrow. Uh, so that might be part of it. I saw Robin Hood at a dine-in movie theater with my parents, one where there was like tables and you, they brought food to you. And it was called Cinema and Suds. Oh, you could wow. Get, yeah, you that could get was beers. like hipstery before there was even hipster if it was done yeah, when that yeah. movie came out. Uh, so that was that was a long time ago. Uh, but I think it was that. I think it's also there's a there's a so when you think about a gun, you just you point and shoot, but the bow and arrow, there's something to it, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's a, a bigger physical action. There's patience to it. There's something cool about like the motion and having to like <clears throat> do it all that I think maybe works. We just read Sarah, which was about a sniper, which is very the mastery of it. It takes the mastery. mastery it, right? yeah. Like shooting a, a, a machine gun isn't masterful, but being able to hit your target with a bow and arrow that's like some serious skill, right? I got, to, I'll tell you a story, Josh. So my, uh, and all you listeners who are sneaking into our conversation here, you little sneaks. Um, you little sneaky snakes. <laughs> uh, so my dad was a PE teacher, right? So any sport I wanted to play, he had a whole gym full of whatever it is. So if I want whatever, like, and this is, and that the best part is Travis is, I don't see you as athlete. a sports guy. I don't uh, see you as an athlete, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Josh, you know what I can do because of that? I can play, uh, I can play any sport, highlight. just not you well. Can play highlight, just not well. <laughs> you're you're a Renaissance man. I'm a sweet badminton uh, kid. I don't want to grow up. I'm a badminton kid. <laughs> I wear oh, my leather jacket and I hit the racket. <laughs> I, I'm just surprised you didn't say you didn't take the opportunity to say shuttlecock. So thank you for that. Oh, anyway. uh, so do you, have a, do you have archery stuff? So he, I remember at way too early of an age because I was living himself so i must have been like eight or nine he brings me home a bow and arrows like real arrows now it's the metal tip arrows but they've been all sawed down for pe use and yeah. he just let me take the arrows out into our neighborhood with the bow like a like a bow like the, you could like shoot they shoot through like and you were targets. you were shooting tanukis in the streets of japan <laughs> yeah and i was like i had like one up plus lives and i'm like oh there's a mushroom that's a plus one i eat mushrooms and trip out and shoot arrows uh but like i would just go shoot like i'd fill up trash bags with leaves after after yeah. like mowing the lawn or raking the lawn and i'd shoot at those and it gave you a sense of like bodies and yeah yeah, but yeah. I, now i'm imagining the people in my neighborhood seeing like this tiny little like eight-year-old boy walking around with a giant bone arrow and real arrows just like walking around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And look, had Robert in my, or in my beautiful boy jeans showed up, had some monster or some like some universal monster showed up, you'd have been ready. You'd been you'd been armed to bear, man. You'd been Dude, there. If I was part of the monster squad, I would be the kid with the bone arrow. Uh, they'd be like, right? "Well, Travis's dad doesn't give a shit. He lets him have a bone <laughs> arrow. We need him as part of the crew, right?" But and I, then you'd light a match on your shoe on your penny loafers and smoke <laughs> a cigarette. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, there was not one time that I shot the arrow that it was that it was a real arrow. It always had like lightning to it in my mind or fire yeah. or I think that's the thing about arrows too. And one of the things that you, you were saying this book tries to get away from is the gimmicky stuff with arrows that as kids yeah. we love. This is a fire arrow. This is a lightning arrow. This is a poisoned arrow. And it just goes straight into like, no, this is arrows. Because in reality, arrows, 
one of the things that that problem with making Green Arrow like stand head toe to toe with the the members of the Justice League is that he doesn't really have a power. He just has right. a really strong discipline, and his discipline does not really work in 2020. Uh, right. As far as being an effective way to fight supervillains. Right. Not, not supervillains. And so that's why I think the story that we read here, this 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 taking Oliver Queen away from a rogues gallery of villains and letting him fight crime in a real city with real stakes and be a detective, again, a detective in a very flouncy green velour like pirate shirt. But still, he does have a leather jacket and you and I love leather jackets. So yep. Uh, he is rocking a sweet leather jacket a couple times in here. He gets an update to his costume, right? Uh, I Black love Canary. Oliver Queen's street style, like his blazers and his tucked in shirts. I love a good tuck in shirt. He's look, he's I, so here's what we have. Here's what we got to tell you folks. I know we're getting distracted. Um, <laughs> this, this is a, this is a, it was a fun read. It is very eighties, very eighties. It feels like every crime show you watched in the 80s, right? Like the criminals are very 80s. The sort of it's cocaine yeah. and it's like overdoses and it's yeah. like gun yes. running punks, right? Yeah, there's nudity in it. It's it's it is there are those very... those classic punk glasses that like yes! like, like like sci-fi like uh, a la Dark Knight Returns. This reminds yeah. I want to know what came first. It must have been Sienkiewicz and uh, Miller, Miller's uh, Daredevil. It, I think it has so many parallels with that that oversized Daredevil that we read, Sienkiewicz. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I feel like it's of the same family. I, they they really are, and I think it's because it's this it's this different format, right? So it's three prestige books, so you get to tell a more encapsulated story because you're not bound to a monthly release of a book, right? Mm. So you get to tell this self-contained story um, at a time when we weren't doing trades, right? When right. trades weren't a thing. I, so I have a collection of like '80s uh, Marvel graphic novels it was these prestige one and done stories dc did them in three and done stories or they did four of these books and you'd put them together and and that would and that would be the format for them and it was a very 80s thing to do before we got into like the world that we live in now where you just collect six books of the run and like there's my trade you would allow writers and creators to do a story and just run with it they and pitched, release. Uh, they put. They pitched the beginning, middle, and end, and said, "I can right. do this in so many issues." Right. And so what we get is we get this story of Oliver Queen on the ground. You get him. I don't think he shoots anybody in these three issues. Does he? Yeah, he shoots. That's a major plot point where he like he kills the guy who's uh, torturing Dina. He doesn't. Yeah, it's a green arrow. It has the green arrow tip to it. Does it? I look thought at, it was. Look at that. Look at that. Look at the arrow through him. Because I, I had to look again. And that's one of the things that was brilliant about this is that the arrows are different colors. So you got to oh, see yeah. like who was killing people. Because uh, there's two archers in this book. So while Josh is looking that up, I'm going to run through you kind of the basic plot point of this uh, story. So basically, as Josh said, we follow Oliver Queen. We take him out of Star City and we put him in Seattle. And he's living with Dina Lance, you know, Black Canary, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, and um, he's going through this midlife crisis. So domestically, Oliver Queen is, he's feeling his age. Uh, he's just had a grandkid, AKA, like in quotes, grandkid, because uh, what's his psyche? Speedy has yeah. had a kid. And so he feels like he has a, like, he feels like he's a grandpa and he wants to have a kid with Dina. And so you have that going, which really kind of highlights that midlife crisis aspect. He wants to have a kid. She doesn't because of being a superhero. Meanwhile, the actual crime story story is you have all these old white uh old white dudes who are dying off who are being killed um and we find out that it's a kind of a two-parter there is yeah we get like this, a mystery we get like you you get this mystery in this story of you get your cruiser wrapped into it yeah. uh, like this, this oriental vibe going in there and you get like the split between Two archers. You have the um her name is Shadow, Shadow. and she's uh 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 Yakuza. Uh, Yakuza. 
yeah, uh, archer. a Yakuza fighter, a Yakuza archer, and then we get Green Arrow, who is you know this well-known archer as well. And you you see them sort of both both of their stories kind of join, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying mm-hmm. to figure out like this this killer who's killing people on the streets. Who's this person who's killing all these people? Uh, and then on top of that, you get this story of. Uh, all of these old white guys, like you said, kind of being taken out one at a time. What's connecting them together? Nobody has a military record. What is it? Um, and then you get this this story that kind of, like I said, it feels very 80s. Look, there's, there was this v- giant fascination with Japan in the 80s and 90s, right? Because you had that I, booming like economy. For Japan in the 80s. Like there was a lot of... <laughs> Well, it's just hey. booming, like booting, booming economy that economy that was taking place. So you go back and you you look at like all of these stories that came out then after the Cold War. We needed another villain. There's xenophobia. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And so like, we, well, they're we making another, better cars need, than us. Right. So like there was a there. You need another villain after the Cold War, and so or, I'm interested. You know, I, I, sorry, at the end of the Cold War. But yeah. I'm interested because you grew up like you know in Michigan around that car yeah. industry area. Did you feel that xenophobia a little bit more like in the eighties? So, we- no one I knew owned a Japanese car, and my dad worked for General Motors, and he would tell us stories that if anybody showed up on the lot, if any of the workers came in a Japanese car, guys would slash their tires. Yeah, and we don't think so, about that, and we don't think um, we don't think about it now as like eighties babies and nineties kids, but. In yeah. the 80s, if you look at those action movies, who the villains are, like Japan was really villainized yeah. because they were an economic powerhouse at that time. And they were taking a lot of that industry away from the United States. So they would appear like in Daredevil comics and here in Green Arrow comics. And there right. was and then there's just And there's this other flip side of it where all these comic book guys were watching like ninja movies, right? Yeah. And, and sort of kung fu movies and stuff like that. But instead of it being sort of that, that Chinese kung fu, we knew more about Japan was that enemy. So you take the ninja side of that, the shinobi part of it, the Yakuza part of it. Right. Uh, and then also like the California and Japan and sort of like the drug trade that was going on. Right. And, and, yeah. You know, adds this other element of it. And so you get this story that that feels a lot like a a lot of other books we've read from the eighties where it feels very of its time. The references are very eighties, but I would say that the one thing that maybe this does a little better is it feels, it feels like an eighties action movie a little bit, right? Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, it does. It, it, I mean, even to the point where the climax takes place in these frozen mountains, all like Sylvester Stallone, like Rambo or cliffhanger type of, uh, it has that like, uh, (laughs) villains in like shooting guns in like the mountain regions because no one's there. Shady deals happening in these, it's that the city is where the grime is, but then we're right. gonna take it out of the city and see our 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 villainy there. Well, so let's let's get specific here. I want I, here's yeah. a question I was thinking about in uh, to a larger. Uh, you want to you want to talk about you want to talk about how how hot Black Mary looked when she put the wig on? She Is that what did. You wanted? She, and she had a realistic butt too. It wasn't like a <laughs> '90s like Lady Death butt. It was kind of like a little bit flat, but still kind of sexy in her. Uh, and and <laughs> if he's 45, that means she's got to be in her mid to late 30s. I'm guessing. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, she's keeping it together really well. <laughs> she's look. <laughs> Pilates for that body. So, <laughs> yeah, she was in. Yeah, uh, who was the big uh, female uh, aerobics? Was like Suzanne Summers. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was yeah. That, the thigh master. That's what exactly. was going on. Now, I want to talk uh, to you about moving it yeah. out of, which is something that DC wasn't doing a lot of at uh, this time period, but moving it out of Star City into a real city called Seattle is. What do you feel about the DC universe where they have these kind of mythical cities, but they still also have real cities? And so, which do you prefer if are they are they shooting themselves? Is it necessary to have Metropolis, Gotham? Um, so I, I think like I like Gotham just because Gotham feels like a real city, right? Gotham feels like Chicago to it me. It has so much right? history to it. Yeah, right. But otherwise, I think the good I think the thing that I like about marvel is that it takes place in our world and we know it's our world right um now there's still fake countries right like 
Doctor Doom's country and Krakoa and crack you know some of these some of these other places yeah um, yeah yeah but but i th- i think uh no lafia is a real place yeah exactly lafia and Lithuania. Was, but but yeah but what is that isn't that where he's from no, no it's it is another l but i don't remember what it is it's not lafia it's uh i wish god lafia i'd be so great like, bad. That's lafia is one claim to fame we've got dr doom like romania <laughs> has like yeah. you know dracula and, yeah <laughs> Um, so I, I would say like, for me, I appreciate this. It grounds it more, right? Because you know, Seattle is a real place, right? Is, and then the crime feels real because we're talking about like the cold war and you're talking about guys who got out of, uh, Vietnam. Right. And so you are the Korean war, like you're getting this it's based in reality because you have Yakuza in it, which is yeah. not like in the DC world, they wouldn't be Yakuza. Normally they'd be some other fictional place where they have ninjas. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, uh, what do they call them in, uh, what do they call the Yakuza in, um, Marvel universe, uh, in New York, uh, from Daredevil, the hand. the hand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And foot soldiers and Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Right. But, but I like the, I like the idea that we're, that, that this, I think it grounds the story more to put him in a real place. It's ridiculous, though, that Star City in the the DC universe is basically Seattle, and then we also have Seattle. Right? right? Isn't Star City right. supposed to be like the fictional equivalent of Seattle or like a Pacific Northwest city? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Like but, San Francisco I, or Seattle. Yeah, yeah, but I th- I think that that's the that's the part where, um, I think it really is. You want to change up the character, you move him. Would you and, respect DC more if they just kept uh, fictional cities instead of mixing them in? You're like, I know you, you started with this and so now you're running with it and we can we no, can do the math I, in our head. I well, I think that you can suspend disbelief enough, um, but I think you're right. Like either have it be fake or have it be real. Right. Like, yeah. look, can we just say Metropolis is New York? It's when New they, York. Yeah, when they when they reboot when they rebooted the fifty two, I'm surprised since they were like that was supposed to be the big change of things. That would have been a good opportunity to like just say, hey, we're we're going. I know Marvel did it, but we're doing it too. The problem is yeah. Gotham. Gotham is what is what kills uh, Gotham and Metropolis. Well, it's Gotham and Metropolis. Yeah. Are the, Otherwise, are none the of things, none of it else matters. Yep. And you I know, would, I, I would have just kept those two and then changed everything else back to normal. No that champion city, no, none of that stuff. You're on no notice, Star DC. City, no. Yeah, yeah, you're on notice. You've been put on notice. But here's what I would say: um, this book, I think, does. I got a kick out of going back and, for me, reliving a lot of the movies my parents let me watch. They they should not have let me watch in the '80s. It felt a little Lethal Weapon. Commando. It felt a little. It felt a little Commando. It felt a little Forty Eight Hours. Right, like it all. It had that grime. Of all those stories that took place, you know, like grungy California or dirty New York and all these things that were going on in the 80s um, and letting a superhero run amok in that realness, it was fun. I thought it was fun. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I I thought it was from the the very beginning. I noticed that that link to that Sienkiewicz uh miller daredevil run and i was like and we love that and so i was yeah. like it, so i already kind of had a framework for this type of story which allowed me which i didn't have when i read that sinkevich one so it took me a little bit longer to adjust to the 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 kind of world this is in but after yeah. having read that i had that kind of base it allowed me to just jump in and enjoy this sooner like quicker I love yeah. how they use, like, I love the use of real drugs. I hate when they do fake drugs in comics. Like, yeah. <laughs> like cocaine's, like, crack is bad enough. Like, we don't need, like, this is uh, Flixin. What's Flixin? Oh, it's, just, it's Venom, you know, which I think they did in like Green the, Arrow. I like, think they did it in Green Arrow, the TV show. I think they called it, like, yeah. Venom or V or something like that. Yeah, they made up a fake drug, yeah. And you're like, oh, we have this real thing. It kind of grounds it in there more. So oh, I love like just call meth is bad just say yeah. it's bad. <laughs> yeah but you're right i guess i wasn't i guess i was scooting around it but yeah i think it, you nailed it with it had that grit of those 1985 to 1989 um street level um 
there's drugs, there's foul language, there's boobies, uh, yeah. things that like your dad would watch. And because your dad really wanted to watch it and he had like three beers, like he wasn't he like, going well, to yeah, like, yeah. He'd be like, it yeah or he'd totally forget because like he, and like all of a sudden there'd be boobs and you were too far away like that yeah. and he's like oh get over here shut your eyes yeah. there's a scorpion in my house one there's scorpion. a scorpion on my back okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pause it one second all right i'm coming how come the cat's not eating it ladies and gentlemen it's a very unusual event for comic exposure at this point during the podcast josh had to leave us to go fight off a scorpion now, we had to pause that so we wouldn't break up your comic exposure listening, but I wanted to play back to you some of the sounds from that fight. And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Okay, um, that was maybe the most exciting thing to happen in quarantine to us for a couple of weeks. Yeah, there guys, a there's scorpion. a scorpion, a scorpion in my house, and my carpet is scorpion colored. So let's <laughs> now every time I step somewhere, I'm going to be looking for little scorpion men on my carpet. I will say, Welcome, though, it fits well with the podcast because scorpions, very 80s. I feel like Scorpions Very. had like their heyday in their 80s. Like it was Well, like, there was the band called Scorpion. Yep. And oh. also it was like on the back of jackets, you know, yeah. uh, in that movie Drive with uh, Ryan Gosling. He had a big, that That's... cool 80s Scorpion jacket. Yeah. Did that movie take place in the 80s? No, but so it's, it might as well have. It might as well have. I've never seen it. So I've heard it's good, but I've never watched it. So anyways, <laughs> as we're talking about this, here's what I want to know. What did you think, Travis, about this Oliver Queen. He's not the Oliver Queen from the TV show where you and I have most of our Green Arrow knowledge. What did you think about this 42-year-old Oliver Queen? 43-year-old. Whatever. I well it, as what we talked about, this has been like a um a tertiary character like for us. Like we, we yeah, I really the, don't know his his comic personality and his his uh TV show personality is very kind of Bah. It's it's I like the TV show, but it's not like a lot of to sink your teeth into. He's just kind of right. like this guy who has a chip on really? Yeah. And in this, he seems more relatable. He seems like you or I. Like if we were I guess we are. Well, we're not we're not 45. <laughs> but we're in our late third. Well, I'm in my late thirties. So. Uh, question: How is he forty-five and gorgeous blonde hair still, even on his chest? He has gorgeous blonde chest hair. Meanwhile, you're rocking more and more gray every podcast Dude, we. My my, I have great chest hair. I have oh, great chest hair. That's teaching. I'm like a, that's stress. I'm like a silver. I'm a silverback gorilla. Uh, <laughs> you got silverback hair. <laughs> I probably I do have back hair. So <clears throat> I think like. I, I agree with you that the TV character doesn't have a lot to give. I think that this guy's a little more relatable. I think he's going through a personal problem that you can relate with. Travis, you are a single man yep. in your 30s who might want to have kids. I don't yeah. know. I don't want to press you on it. I don't want to yeah. go, Travis, what does it feel like right now to be in your 30s and childless and without... Oh. You know, I don't want to see rats. Baby, can you imagine a little rats baby running around? I don't Travis, even know what that would look like. <laughs> Travis, rats. All I want from you is I want you to move back here and have a baby so that I can be Uncle Josh in real life. That's I, I just. I feel like if I have a baby, that Gabby and I are going to become better friends than you and I are friends. You probably will, <laughs> but you'll be like, I don't swear anymore. I don't have time for comic books, Josh. <laughs> I get it. No, I no, I I I really liked. I like that domestic kind of um, right. life crisis he was having. Um, that look, he gets to say that he wants to hang it up and have kids. And Black Canary's like, yeah, we can't do that, and here's why. And he doesn't agree with her until the end of the book. And he's like, yeah, you're right. This place sucks. It needs it us, right? Like we can't bring kids into the life we have. Now, how do you think that ties back in, if it does, to another thread in the story that I really liked, 
that midlife crisis with his decision to bring it back to the basics. There's this whole kind of like two page spread where he's talking about uh, this archer hero of his and who was talking about shooting uh, a old traditional longbow as opposed to the new compound bows, the shorter bows. And he says the quote he liked from him is that like, I'm not good enough to shoot those. So I just focus on the basics. And that gives, uh, that's all, that's the device that we use uh, that they, that uh, um, Mike Mike uh, Grell uses to, uh, bring Oliver back to the basics. So what do you think is it about going through a midlife crisis? How does that tie in with him deciding to get rid of all like the, the punching bag, uh, the, the punching glove arrow or the, you know, all those gimmicky arrows. Like, is there, is there a connection? I think that he's talking about sort of stripping away all this extra stuff in the, the extravagance or the, the flair that was green arrow, right? Like I dressed like Robin hood and I, you know what I mean? Like he took on this sort of bigger than life persona and essentially he's at a point where he's like, I, I don't, that's not me anymore. Right? Like I'm done being a caricature of myself. I, he almost, he doesn't say that, but it yeah. feels like saying that at one point where, you know, like he was a exaggeration of the green arrow. Like it's he almost put on like what, like Grell is saying that about what some superheroes continued to be in the eighties after dark Knight returns is like, right. you can't go back to like, we have to like, let's strip it down. Right. And I think this is a response to dark Knight yeah. returns, right? Like dark Knight returns is this story where you, you strip away all of the extra stuff about Batman, right? And you take him back to sort of this brute strength sort of like guy or you 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 ground him, even though he's fighting mutants as an old man. It it takes away a lot of that big extra fancy. There's no bat computer. There's no, you know, this or that, or there's no speed in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and so you pull away all of that silly bronze age stuff, right? All that stuff that like you layered on top. Like, so I think what we had is you had all these comic book characters, just layers and layers of stuff put on top of them because, well, I got to tell another story. I want to do something different let's give him arrows that do this. Or I've got to tell Batman's story. Let's give him a supercomputer that lets him do this. Or Superman, let's give him another power. He discovers this power. So they get this, this, this layers like wallpaper or paint in a house that you just keep putting on top of one another, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you finally go to like restore this thing to what it is and you strip it all away and you're like, well, shit, why would they paint over this? Right, yeah, yeah. Right? Like hardwood right. floors are always yeah, in fashion. Yeah, yeah. Why, why is there hardwood floor under this carpet, right? Like That's a good, that's, that's a fantastic analogy, yeah. That's what it feels like. Like he's cleaning off the patina of age and going back to his roots, right? Well said. Uh, that was really good. That is that was a really great analogy to it. Man, all that what? scorpion killing really got your blood <laughs> rushing to your brain. It does. Uh, <laughs> it makes- it really makes you think and contemplate life when that scorpion could have killed you. And so, you know, my mor- my, my mortality is questioned right now. And so <laughs> a deep thinker uh, when, I, when I get into nihilism. You uh, went so, through the whole Oliver Queen arc of this story in like two and, minutes to killing a scorpion. Yeah, um, Wait, that so, scorpion is doing cocaine! <laughs> Kill it! <laughs> I, now, I will... I really did like the portrayal of Oliver Queen in this. I liked the uh, sort of Black Canary, I'm going to figure this out. I'm doing this by myself piece. But then she does become a very 80s comic book trope, damsel in distress who's beaten and brutalized, right? Very, a very brutalized. Frank, it's it's, it's right? pretty extreme, yeah. Yeah, a very Frank Miller 80s thing to do, right? Like... It's it's very of that time, right? Well, it's one of the things that was they were Not, growing these male characters and like like you said, removing right. that that kind of glamour and the glitz of it. And really trying to make these real fleshed out characters, but they were not concerned about the women characters at this point still. No. We don't and get I think that other, till like two thousands. Right. And I think the other piece of it is that you're trying to like what is the 
you you boil a character down, you boil man down, and I'm going to get deep again. You boil man down to his nature of protection, right? And so what does man want to protect? And 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 maybe it's, you know, the the gender normative way that we were thinking that time or whatever it was, and that's the psyche we built over years and years. But men being this thing, how do I make them break? How do I show them how, what's going to make them turn is to take away something they love. But because it's the 80s, we're not just going to kill them. We're not going to fridge the character. We're going to like, it, it's going to be a brutal beating or rape is this thing that comes out a lot in these 80s books. And, and essentially, that's what was going to happen to... Uh, Black Canary. Well, I thought right? Ray did. Like, I, I thought that I, like, point one, yeah, the characters much, had, uh, yeah. It, but what I will say is, you make a good point. What I will say is progressive, though, is they do do a, uh, they do do, <laughs> they uh, do do a, a role reversal there where he is the one who wants to have kids. And right. she is also middle-aged uh, or, you know, like in her 30s. And she's like, no, I don't want to have kids, which would... Uh, like I don't want to bring a, like we we can't if we're gonna do the superhero stuff we can't I don't want to raise an orphan that's what she says I yeah. don't want to raise an yeah, orphan which is a great it's a great it was a great line yeah it really was a really good line and it's um, really interesting to to have the woman say that in this and then so I was like oh something interesting is going on here but then you're right they do kind of dampen that with her then going back into the traditional damsel in the stress role. Right, because she goes out to try to solve the case without him and do it on her yeah. own, but she can't. But then you get Shadow, who is this who badass is female, who's a badass female female character too, right? Like a trained Yakuza warrior, right? Who is an orphan. And so, who is an orphan. You get her story of why she's doing this and why she's being brought in to she's kill She's like, this guy. we don't want to raise an orphan. And then you see what happens the orphan. If, if the orphan. Oh, you're I didn't right. I think about that. You're right. I just blew my own mind. <laughs> so he's essentially facing the kid he could have created. Yes. Someone, wow. Especially someone who's an arrow, like with arrows and stuff like that. This is who we could create. Someone who are not around to give a moral compass to. You are Travis Rant. So I this think we just found. got deep. <laughs> we just found deep meaning in this very 80s book. Um, but I thought, you know, but there are some pieces of it that I didn't love, right? The fact that overall, he's a fl- I, you gotta tell you something Sherwood Florist, his van, if you look in the back of it, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's the, first of all, beautiful. the car itself is the perfect superhero car because it's just high enough for you to stand and change in the back of it and then burst out of the back of that car like no one's going to see <laughs> Sherwood right? Forest. He first it, of all, the only thing he has covering his face is like these two little eye things. He has right. unmatchable blonde goatee and feathered hair, and yeah. he drives around in his cover car is Sherwood Florist that is green. Hey, it's great. I think some of the things <laughs> that I thought I didn't love the ending, and I think it was probably tell this story in three books. And it should have been tell this story in four books. Mm-hmm. I felt like the ending was I'd like to I'd like to unravel this further, but I don't have time. So I'm going to tell you I'm the villain. I'm going to tell you how this all happened in three pages, right? That's what it felt like to me. in that issue was um, here's the answer to this story. So um, you know they're on the mountaintop, and he goes. And this is why we did it. And here's why she's helping us. And here's how the drugs got here. And here's how this. But we're going to kill it at, you know, like, see if you can stop us. But I did like that he was like, and here's the money. Yeah. What do you like? And he, and, and he, and he's like, Green Arrow's like, well, it's untraceable and uh, no one's going to believe me and the government's going to deny they had any hand on it. So it looks like I'm rich, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. That was really, that was a flip of like, you think he would like somehow get it back into the right hands. Uh, but I but think there's no right hands to get it back into. Right. And I think what you get from this is you like, it brings in Iran Contra, right? There's yep. all this. Sort oh, of yeah. Cool, that was brilliant. I thought too. Yeah. This sort of real, real world stuff. Rick Ross, like real, the real Rick Ross is in this month. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then, but at the same time, 
you get Green Arrow being gray, right? He's morally gray. He doesn't want to kill anybody. He says he doesn't kill anybody, and then he does, right? He, like, um, doesn't shoot anybody for the first couple issues, and then, like, is like, oh, shit, and starts shooting a bunch of people, right? Um, And then he keeps the money. (laughs) And so there's this very sort of, like, oh, okay. So he's not the Boy Scout that's, you know, that that um, Superman is. He's not the sort of detective that Batman is, this sort of like morally guided detective that Batman is. He gets to play in a different area. And I think that that was what was interesting about this character, even though I think the ending kind of wrapped it too fast and it probably should have had <clears throat> maybe one more book to flesh out to to like unravel the mystery but then i don't know that i would have wanted to read i don't know that this would have been been as good at 170 pages well it did like so the first appearance uh, in my research the first appearance of green arrow was in 1941 in more fun comics number 73 1941 and much better than fun comics fun (laughs) comics was okay more fun comics? Oh, superb. It's all in the title. It's all in the title. Yeah. Um, and then he didn't have his single ongoing series until after Longbow Hunters. So long, Which is uh, crazy, right? It, it's to be around that long and to be like this archer character who looks like Robin Hood and to not have your ongoing uh, series. Uh, so it ran for 11 years after this, after Longbow Hunters. Yeah. So, Longbow Hunters is really responsible for elevating Green Arrow into cult status, like within the DC universe, where he's one of the, I would say, maybe if you had to pick 15 DC characters, could you name, could you, could you say 15 DC characters without saying Green Arrow? No. It'd probably be in there. Yeah. He's, he's tier two, right? He's a tier two guy, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think like he's been elevated farther by the long eight seasons of a CW TV show, right? Yeah. Um, so, but I think like this gave me something to sink my teeth into. It was one of those things like I have a, I'm a sucker for these 80s one and done sort of series. Um, because, series, yeah. because, well, because we live in a world where you and I read trades. And so I can't, I don't really want to commit to like having to, to read an ongoing series forever. So I really do like being able to go like, and here's a story. Hmm. Read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to have anything else. You don't need to know a ton about this character. Uh, I really, I thought that that was a good way to do it. Well, what, um, what about the art in here though? Like what about like, I, the art? I, I really dug the art. I loved the pencils. Um, you know, there were times when it when it was rough. Um, but there were some times when I was like, oh man, Mike Grell did all of this himself. Yeah. Right? That's what's impressive. Which is which is which is just really, you know, it was it was a really like I said, there are a couple images where I go, yeah, I don't know if that's good. But for being this sort of like it feels very 80s, but in a good way. In the 80s stuff that I love, not the 80s stuff that I don't love. So it was a little, it's a little better than, if you go back and read some 80s Batman, some of that art's pretty stock in like, um, and house, this doesn't yeah. feel house. And I love that it doesn't feel house. There is, I lo- like I said, I love the pencils too. I think, or I'm looking back at it now, the coloring can seem kind of magic markery and colored pencil. Yeah. Like when a kid but uses both magic markers and colored pencils on it. There were times sometimes, that was really good though. Yeah, sometimes that comes, that makes this great, like, wow, look at that. That could be, I would frame that and put it, you know, it could be above a fireplace. And other times it makes it look like, I was thinking I was talking to you before the podcast, like fan art. Um, yeah. But I think that's, I think, that's more of an issue of the coloring on some of these pages than it is the actual pencils. Because I love Oliver Queen's look in this and how they, he's got such great hair. Like the, 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 I will, I will tell you, I think when Mike Grell falls apart is when he has to draw a full body. Those are the shots where characters look the most fan arty is when he has to draw a person head to toe. 
like the yes. proportion the proportion doesn't fit right but when he's just doing like quarter shots or half shots of characters they usually look better but when he does a scene where you get full full oliver queen that's when i go okay that looks a, that doesn't look as good and i think it's a fan of his backdrops yeah i don't mind a big fan of his backdrops if you see like i'm holding this up here where like his the way he colors his backdrops is just kind of like shading in like you would with like a marker like right the, and that's a very that's a very 80s it's this in between yeah. time where it gives you a little bit of background but not a ton it's this very sort of 80s thing uh, i love the images where i don't the flashbacky stuff where it's a little more penciled in or when he does the picture of uh um robin hood robin hood where he doesn't it looks like an old-timey portrait yes a couple the different Errol times robin hood, yeah yeah the arrow and robin hood uh and there are vignettes where it's sort of like a very sort of serious glance where it's on a different type of paper and he uses like colored pencil on it to give it a whole different feel every once in a while. And then I go like, why did he decide to do that there? Why did he use that art style for that image? And we got to um, remember, these are like 40 page issues that I'm sure like in the eighties, like comics were getting out a little more on time maybe <laughs> than they are now <laughs> where it's like, we forgive this guy because he's doing it himself or he's this big giant talent and so that's a lot of work to do uh and the can the character main main the characters maintain consistency throughout all they do issues. yeah unlike maybe like steve dylan was doing in like preacher or things like that where the the more they draw them the less lines they use you see that with mike magnolia too with hellboy the longer it goes on like the less lines he uses to draw hellboy with uh and there is a consistency throughout with how it he's drawing these characters, which is very impressive for someone who's doing this all themselves and doing it, you know, with a deadline. Right. I, I did really enjoy the um, sort of, it felt multi like multimedia the way he was using it. Uh, medium yeah. multi medium. Yeah. Right. Because the ink, and then you'd see something that was very paneled, it, like something that was very like colored pencil and maybe charcoal or, you know, like, it felt like he was choosing his art in a in a special way, but there were times when the coloring was a little off. You're right; there are some very like magic, uh, washable Crayola like moments. Watercolor watercolor backgrounds with magic mark like with marker like colorings on the forefront, and I didn't right. think the combination of those was very aesthetically pleasing to me, but you're right. It is very of the times and you're not going to get that many places nowadays. You're not going to get that no, kind of aesthetic anymore. Cause it feels like real art. And then I think we lose that in some of the digital stuff we have now. That's true. Right? There's a yeah. lot, of, there's a lot of tools you can use to make your digital art look like this. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to get a comic book like this because this is you can tell that this was hand drawn and hand colored. And yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, like, cause you can see like, Oh, he went over that green one too many times in that spot. It's a little too dark in that one place. Yeah. It almost was like the portfolio someone would send to a, uh, like a DC to get work on it. Like here's my pencils and colors that I did like in my studio with, no other support, just me. Right. But I I thought it was a lot of fun. I I dig this retro I dig this 80s look back on stuff. Um I thought the art fit the story because the art also felt very 80s as well. And so it all it took me all it got me in the spirit of the story, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think as we're kind of wrapping things up here, I think that this this story is like I like Green Arrow more from this. I feel like it gives it starts. I'm starting to unravel an identity to this character. I know they've kind of rebooted him since then and kind of got rid of some of the issues, the middle midlife crisis issues he was dealing with as a character. But I like yeah. the older, like the superhero who isn't like it's street level. It's like street level DC. Uh, and he's trying to kind of balance this domestic urges with 
you know, the the grittiness of of these cities being filled with like drugs and stuff like that. I think it's I I, I like this when I when I when I heard the title Green Arrow Longbow Hunters, I did not You're expect like, oh, this God. at all. I know I because no. I liked I'm like I'm like Longbow, that sounds awesome. And I thought it was gonna be maybe more Arthurian or more epic with a title like Longbow Hunters. And it turned out to be the exact opposite. It turned out to be something very Daredevil. This reminds me so much of Daredevil. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is a very uh, Daredevil kind of run. And so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. And I, I would I think this is it probably sounds like from what I looked on online, a key piece in the Green Arrow Yeah history. Yeah, so here's what I want to know, Travis. What is, if you were going to give us your panel, what would be your panel? There's a bunch of different art throughout all of this. If you were going to narrow it down to one thing, what would it be? My favorite panel is, uh, it's actually three very small panels, but it's not a splash page, so I feel I can get away with it. They work together really well. Uh, I feel, we were talking about who is Green Arrow, like what kind of person is he? And there's this page uh, when he's, down in his like basement of his house and you know green uh black canary comes down her costume he does this kind of look where it's three panels and he's basically shooting himself in the head like he's being goofy uh and he's kind of like am i talking to myself here bad sign oliver might as well save the expense and humiliation of years in the nursing home and he puts like a like a his finger gun his head he puts his tongue out to the side but like the way it's drawn, there's so much humanity in his face, uh, and there's yeah. so much uh, like that. Those three little bits of him putting his finger to his head and drawing and and putting it to his head, I think encapsulates what I like about this book. Is where we're taking this kind of unknown superhero, just this kind of fantastic archer, and making him like this guy with like real issues. And also there's a lot of insecurity in this character in this book. This character is very insecure about where he is in life at this point. And I feel like those panels really uh, capture that. I think you're right. I think for me, if you go to page one Oh three, it, I think it's numbered one Oh three it's page 86 in the uh, digital reader. So it's page 86 in the digital read, uh, but it says 103 on the bottom of it. Um, That is, uh, there is at the very, there's two panels that I really like in this. There's one, the gory, very 80s guy gets shot through the eyeball with the arrow, but that's, that's not my panel. Um, Do you see it? Uh, I'm on. No. Pull back back from the screen a little more. Okay, I can't, I can't. Oh, yeah, 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 Uh, I see, I see, I see. Yep, got it. Okay, so. um, Yeah, yeah, brutal. That's that's not the picture, although that's the striking piece of it. It's below, he is saved by shadow. So that shadow's arrow going through his eye. And it's the sort of. I love this panel. I forgot about it. I was reading this and I loved it. It's the graphite look between him and shadow. After he, after she saves him they both do this glance at each other. Like we almost killed each other on a rooftop. We both have a common enemy. Thank you for saving my ass. Right. Like, like this knowing glance between them. And there are pieces like this art where you go, man, if, if Grell maybe had more time and the entire book looked like this, yes, it would be quintessential top tier level art on a book. When I was looking at this, I read that panel, and that was my favorite panel, but I totally forgot about it because I had that that whole story in there. And I loved it, too, because she keeps talking about his eyes. You don't have the eyes of a killer. And then once he kills, he says, your eyes have changed. And that's where she's – she has – the way she's – there's almost a wince in her look. Yeah. Where she's she's wincing at what he's become. You know? Yeah. uh, Like, you're better than this. And and he's looking at her like – this exhaustion, like I did what I had to do, and she's looking at him like, that's right, a shame. right. That's a shame. It, 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 that's a really good panel. So here's what I want to know, Travis. This is an interesting book. Uh, I'm curious. You know, we always talk about who we would recommend this to. So who do you who do you plop down, or who do you digitally give or tell to read this book right now? Um, not everyone. 
not everyone. This I wouldn't because of like the way you described it. It's kind of like a mix uh, medium of art styles. I think that some people who haven't read a lot of comics might look at some of these pages as unsophisticated. They might not but be able I to appreciate. It. I know, I, I know, I, I know you. It. Yeah, but it's but, just like, it's my love of that '80s sort of like. Let's do. Let's just make art. Yeah, right. But I the, love it. I don't think I don't think just handing it off to anyone randomly has that com- the I, art has that commercial appeal. I like it, it too. Um, so I would be wary on that end of handing it to maybe like a non comic book reader. But like we said in the last episode, where we're kind of changing things up and we're going through, or maybe it was earlier this episode, uh, we were changing things up and kind of filling in our holes. This is a good DC hole. Yeah, so, if you want to fill your hole yeah. with a good comic, take this long bow. And put it right in your hole because it's so quick. It's such a quick read. Uh, it was, and and it makes it 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 takes the sheen off of of Green Arrow. He doesn't become just another commodity of DC in this book. He really becomes this suit this character who has to go on their own adventure. And so if you're if you're having a hard time getting into Green Arrow, this humanizes him in a way that when I read other Green Arrow stuff, I'll probably be thinking about I'd like to think about Longbow Hunters and imagine no matter what Green Arrow I'm reading, they have this history to them. Right. I think right. that would make I think that would make it the character more approachable for me and other stuff. I, I would agree with you. This is I mean if you were if I had someone who's like, oh, I love that Green Arrow show. Should I read Green Arrow? This is probably not the book I would give them. No. Although I feel like if you look at his costume, if you look at his like the street level things he's dealing with, it very much lines up with that TV show. Like yeah. to a T. But it doesn't look polished enough or modern enough, I think. And it also doesn't look retro enough for you to go like, oh yeah, this is like that Silver Age, you know, that Bronze Age comic stuff. I really like it. It's this gritty 80s thing. These, like... The Sienkiewicz one, the Sienkiewicz one was retro enough that you can give that to someone who was like, oh, this person loves like the bangles and, and shit like that. Right, this right. one lacks that, like you said, that that polish and consistency of it, it's still really. I lo- I love the argument you made where it looks like the you could see the human behind it, and it looks yes. like a craftsman working and and like uh, a storyteller working behind it. But I don't. I wouldn't have been able to see this thirty trades ago. Thirty like thirty no. trades of what we read. No. I wouldn't have appreciated the art in this the way I do now. But there's there's just some there's some good stuff throughout this book that I really thought was really fun. I think I would hand it to somebody, like you said, someone who's trying to like, look right now in, in quarantineville, if you want, this took me two nights before bed to read. Right. And it was, it wasn't super expensive on comiXology. I could order it. It gave me two nights of like enjoyment. It was cheaper than buying a brand new DVD on, you know, a brand new movie on iTunes. And I got to enjoy it for two nights. Right. Yeah. And I got to appreciate the art of it and, and, and do that and, and really like it. So I would tell you, like, if you're like, what do I do? What do I read? I would say that this is a good a good read to kind of, um, like you said, fill in those gaps, maybe. You know, I, thinking now this would be a fun con hunt, like back page surfing. Oh. Yes. To find the Dude, big prestige I, issues of these. If you were like con want, surfing and found good deals. I want the original of this. Yeah, I do. I want, I want the, cause that's, this is the stuff I love. And I know I've said it on the show a lot, but I literally, I have stacks of this eighties Marvel stuff and only a handful of stuff from DC. D, like DC wasn't as prolific in this sort of stuff that Marvel was. Uh, and then um, I just love this sort of style that came out of these, these eighties comics that weren't house because I hate house style, man. I yeah. hate it. There's this 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 fun and maybe fun's the wrong word, but this different art style that came out of these books in the 80s that I that I that I just love. And so this this tickled that edge for me. And it's a real reason why I picked this book, because this is this is this would have been had I found this at a con, I'd have been like, shit, yes. And pulled it out and bought it. That this would have been yeah. my, cause you, con you, were, you, you, you said, you sent me a couple of possible green arrow titles. And I said, Hey, just pick one, man. Like, well, I'll do yeah. whatever one you pick. And so you must've gone through 
and then like, oh, I think longbow hunter. So you're saying you did it because the 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 unique art style. The unique art style on the fact that it was this prestige, you know, three issues done. Yeah. Right. This is a story we're telling that then leads to the ongoing series. But this is what kicks it off. And it's you a can bookmark. leave it. Yeah, it's a benchmark. You leave it here and go, boom, that's it. That's good. I read my fun story. There's I don't need to know what happens next. This is good. Right. It really is. If if Longbow Hunters, what this, this didn't happen and that didn't jumpstart the 11 years of the solo issue, you wonder where this character would be. Now, obviously, this character's been around since 1941. Someone would have pulled him back up and tried to do something with him. But the person who did was Mike Grell. And that led to a TV show. It led yeah, to an eight, an eight year series of television yeah. that created the Arrowverse on CW. And I'm right? sure like, we'll see him in the DC movie universe soon enough in some shape or form. The, the character. I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the show. Thank you for uh, listening along with us. Thank you for sharing some time with us. Remember, you can find all of our old episodes uh, on the website, www.comicexposure.com, or you can hunt through your iTunes or uh, Google Play and find all those episodes and uh, listen away. Um, we want we appreciate you tuning in and, and listening. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, Get a little bit of Comic Exposure merch. You can go to the website and click on the merch tab. And you can find yourself a rad t-shirt that you can order through Amazon that they will deliver directly to your home. Uh, You don't have to go to a store. You don't have to touch any doorknob but your own in these quarantine times. Uh, So you... uh, that would be rad. We 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 love to kind of uh, get that out there. That'd be cool. Thank you guys for... Tell them what we're doing next, Josh. Tell them what we're doing next. Our next book, ladies and gentlemen, like, like we said, Travis and I try to fill in some holes. We're trying to get some, 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 both some big series that we missed out on or some characters that we don't know much about. Uh, the next book that we're doing is Fables. We're doing the first volume of Fables, a Vertigo book uh, that focuses in on a murder mystery is this first volume we're really looking at in a world of fable characters who live in the world that we inhabit. So uh, that'll be the next one that we're doing. Uh, So we hope that you'll tune into that. Uh, If you are looking for something to read, you can get it on a comiXology. You can read it and join in and and listen in as, as we talk about it. Uh, So guys and gals, thanks so much for tuning in. We will, uh, we, we appreciate it. Give us those stars, uh, subscribe to the podcast, all that good stuff. And we will see you next trade. (laughs) 